Hello and welcome to the Real Food Whole Health Podcast, where it's all about real food and holistic living in the real world. With your host, nutritional therapist, Amy Love. And please note our disclaimer, all information and content in this podcast is for general information only and not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hi, and thanks for joining us on the Real Food Whole Health Podcast. Today, we have Naomi Huzovikova from Almost Bananas. Hi, Naomi. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi. Glad to be here. I'm so glad that you're here, and you are actually not joining us from the U.S. or Canada. You're joining us from Slovakia. Is that correct? That is, yep. Wonderful. So um, that is super fun, and that actually might be the most far away person that we've had on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you weren't born in Slovakia. You were actually um, from Canada. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm from a a little town in the Rocky Mountains in the West. Oh, beautiful. Uh, We were just in Calgary um, not that long ago, and Banff. And uh, that whole area, it's gorgeous over there. Yeah. I'm just, um, ja- did you hear of Jasper? It's like north of Banff. Yeah, right down the Icefield Parkway. Yeah, so I'm just across on the BC border is where I grew up. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, neat. Yeah, that's just absolutely gorgeous. I mean, I was like jaw dropped the whole time that we yeah, were there. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of biased, but... <laughs> Yeah, that's a lovely place to grow up. So now, am I right that you grew up on a farm? Yeah, kind of a hobby farm. Not exactly hobby farm. Like my, I had lots of extended family around, and at first they had sheep, and then when they got rid of sheep, we got cows. So or like um, beef cows. So oh neat. That's great. And and we were off off the grid. grid. Like yeah, we had we have a. A creek on our property and it's our so we had electricity it was just our own and, uh-huh. uh, yeah so it was a um kind of a rock farm it grows rocks the best out of everything <laughs> on the side of the mountain That's like a new hampshire farm <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and uh yeah my parents have a piece of property there and and yeah, out the back door, you just head up the mountain, and yeah. Amazing. <laughs> I love it. Um, and so I think that we were talking before, and you said that that sort of was a really great introduction for you uh, to some of the new things that you would be um, experiencing when you moved to Slovakia. Yeah, well, it just it gave me a really, um, a really open mind because my mom – was kind of into was into real food before the term existed, you know. Oh, awesome! Was, like she never fell for margarine or vegetable oils or anything. Like no way. And, and awesome. And my dad is Japanese, so we often had like really weird food at our house. Oh, cool! <laughs> like everyone else was like, uh, no, "What is this?" And. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, my friends would come over, and before they came, I'd beg my mom. I'd be like, Mom, please, can you just, like, cook something normal like lasagna? <laughs> now I'm Was really... your mom from Canada? Yeah, yeah, my mom is. Uh-huh. And uh, now I'm really proud of it, but when I was a teenager, I was like, this is sometimes embarrassing. <laughs> oh, sure. Don't we think everything's embarrassing? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and now it's, like, the experiences that totally shaped us. I mean, that sounds like it, it really did provide you with an excellent mix of food cultures. Yeah, um, it definitely, like, I was really surprised when I came here how many people, I kind of just assumed, like, I mean, I'll try anything once. I might not like it, but I'll try anything at least once. Mm-hmm. And uh, and a lot of people were like, no, we like Slovakian <laughs> Italian food, and that's it. I'm like, you're missing out on <laughs> missing so out on the whole world things. of food. Yeah. <laughs> Do you find that it's hard to source things to make some of the the foods that you want? Yeah. Um. It's very kind of like meat and potatoes and bread here. Uh-huh. Um. There it is. I've been here for ten years, and in the ten okay. years, there is a lot of a lot more international foods, but not not like in in Canada or in America, like where you go to the grocery store and it's like, okay, we're gonna have Italian on Tuesday night, we're gonna have Asian inspired on Wednesday night. Yeah, we're gonna have, you know, no, you have to go. You have to go to like either 
a health food store or uh, like a there's these Asian stores where you can get oh, like okay. Asian food or they sometimes have like stuff from other parts of the world. But yeah, it's neat. A little more limited. Yeah. Oh, I bet so. And so um, are there Japanese dishes that you still is that still part of your daily kitchen rotation or just um, like comfort foods for you kind of comfort foods like i'll make like maybe sushi sometimes but the fillings won't be like raw fish or anything it'll be uh-huh you know just regular grocery store items um right. or yeah when i can get like miso we do like miso soup or i mean soy sauce goes with everything <laughs> right <laughs> that's easy garlic and ginger and soy sauce <laughs> So did you grow up, um, you know, obviously with the real food, did you grow up, like, making bone broth and, like, things like that? Um, Mom did make bone broth, but it wasn't like, this is the magic elixir that is going to, like, heal you. It was mm-hmm. just kind of something that she did sometimes. And, uh, yeah. Cool. So what, why Slovakia? Like, how did that even come about? (laughs) Um, I went to school in the States, and my husband did as well, and he's Slovak, and we met there. Oh. Ended up over here. Oh, wow. That's really something. And then your your kiddos were born over there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, my oldest was born in Canada. I went back and had her and came back, but all all the rest were born here. Okay, and you have four kids? Four kids, yeah. Yeah, and twins. Twins, a set of twins. Twins. <laughs> Where are they in the rotation? They're the youngest. They're three The now. youngest. Wow. So you thought you were getting one more, and bonus, <laughs> yeah. two more. <laughs> Biggest shock of my life, yeah. I think. Really? <laughs> yeah. I was like, do you have twins in your family? I'm like, no. 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 no Just out of nowhere, huh? Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So, yeah, so that's, hence the website name, Almost Bananas, right? Yeah, I started when they were a year and a half. And, oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like a year right and a half. Right in the business twins, time. Like, yeah, just creating chaos. Like, at that age, they're just, like, pulling down everything and with the two of them. They just, like, bounce off of each other, and one sees one pulling stuff down, and they're like, that looks, like, fun. Go join in. And, like, Let's create uh, chaos everywhere. Exactly. <laughs> So mom's like, all right, let's start a blog. (laughs) (laughs) So logical. Yeah, I think I think probably a lot of our listeners have been there. (laughs) Like, what was I thinking? But, you know, it's a great way to um, to share and to reach out and to have community outside of just your local community. Yeah. And I was I was confined to the house a lot more like it just felt like there was so much more work and so many more things I had to do. And it's harder to get out and. And, uh, yeah, and I knew that the way it works in Slovakia is that um, until your youngest child is three, there's a little bit of of state help. And when they turn three, that stops. So then you have to find work. So I was hoping that in a year and a half, by the time they turn three, that that would, like, I could do something. Kind of take off for you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, your website is just gorgeous. And like looking at the pictures and the recipes, I mean, it's like, wow. And you guys seem to do a lot of like really fun, beautiful exploring and um, and like outside stuff, hiking and things like that. Yeah, we both my husband and I are into the outdoors and. amazing I mean the pictures I I've never been to Slovakia I never really thought about going to Slovakia but looking at the pictures I'm like wow it's really beautiful yeah and Slovakia just really gets missed out because it's such a small country and it's not nobody's advocating for it really right um (laughs) it's beautiful here there's a lot of I live kind of where there's right behind my town there's like kind of deciduous hills um, there's really high mountains, there's, yeah, like, there's just a lot of variety in a small area, and, wow. uh, yeah, it's really pretty, uh, castles everywhere, like, really, castles, and kept up castles, yeah, like, there's one in my town, just, like, you can see on the hill, there's one, like, a, a kind of museum castle that's been kept up, I don't know. Oh, wow. Ten, Are no, any still, like, in the- use? 
Yeah, the um, the castle in my town was um, after a lot of political turmoil and stuff. It was privatized, uh, bought by the Slovak Academy of Sciences, uh-huh. and they keep it as like a conference center and a hotel. Oh, how and, neat! Yeah, and some of them are are ruins. Some of them are are kept up as museums and and have tours and stuff. Some of them are privately owned. Just wow, depends. And some just, like, kind of are part of the landscape now and just, like, kind of... Crumble. Yeah, and those are kind of the most romantic ones, actually, because you come there, it's just these, like, kind of crumbling walls, and you can imagine, like, what was... It's more, like, I don't know, exotic or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I totally tale. get that. Right, and it's, like, such a part of the history, and you do, you wonder, like, what it was like in its heyday, and, and you know, exactly. the people that have yeah. walked through there, and, yeah, the work that was put into building it, and yeah. all of that. I mean, yeah, my husband That's pretty amazing. To me, castles are just still part of fairy tales and stories, and he's like, yeah, there's another one, <laughs> so what? Because <laughs> he's from there, right? Yeah. He just, yeah. like, grew up with castles, so. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Wow, that's really something. So tell me a little bit about the culture there. Um, oh, I know that's can, sort of open-ended. Yeah. <laughs> you can really see um, the history here is so... Uh, there's pieces from different parts of history that still come through to the present. So, um, you know, it, it was part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, and... Mm-hmm. There's in Bratislava and some of the cities you can see like these, you know, beautiful, gorgeous buildings, architecture that was from that era. era. Uh, And then there was socialism slash communism and just like hideous buildings from that. And a lot of, um, It's hard to say exactly. It really, I think it really affected the people. I mean, it it ended, I don't know, I don't want to say exact number, like 20-some mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. But, I don't get my date wrong. Um, but it takes a long time for for people to not still, like, to unlearn some habits. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm um, sure. And, and it was so oppressive that... You know, yeah. took a lot out of the culture. Yeah, and it did. I mean, simple things like in the, particularly in the West, um, everyone who had a cow had to give their cow to the state to like a state farm, and then you oh. bought your milk from them. And oh, really? Yeah, and it was like this big act of rebellion if you didn't. So it really killed the family farm in Western Slovakia. In Eastern Slovakia, in Central and Eastern Slovakia, it's much more alive, but in Western Slovakia. It's much it kind of they were um, very affected yeah um oh and my gosh and, that's crazy yeah uh, yeah it was like this big act of rebellion if if you wanted to if you wanted to keep your cows oh my gosh and, and uh, yeah i mean how interrupting to to the food system the local food economy that must have been yeah yeah because as people go, they you know, like the children growing up under that, they're not learning the an- animal husbandry. They're not learning how to produce their own food. Yeah, no, it's still very common in 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 Western Slovakia. It's still very common for um, people to have gardens, especially uh-huh. older people. So they'll uh-huh. have you know these huge gardens, and for them, it's not. Like, for me, it's just kind of this ideal of, like, health and organic, and you know, all these kind of right. things. And my mother-in-law is like, oh, it's just easier to buy it from the store. But it's just, that's what she's done <laughs> to survive her whole life, and that's, so she just keeps doing it. Right. So they're not necessarily thinking about it in that term of, oh, this is organic, and it's the most nutrient-dense, and yeah, this no. is an act of rebellion. <laughs> and Yeah. No, no, not at all. <laughs> kind of our whole reason here in the States and Canada for rallying around yeah. is, like, look at the power we have and they're like oh my gosh we're tending the garden yeah kind of I, they might say like it tastes better or something sure but, but oh um, my goodness yeah, yeah. so wow and but central slovakia is um very sheep sheep based there's a lot of like sheep cheeses oh. here and oh, um shepherds and and they still like they're still um i really wanted to go to one this summer but i didn't get a chance 
you know, a shepherd who will walk with his sheep outside all, you know, and they, yeah, and they tending to them and, and, you know, they get up at three o'clock in the morning to start, uh, to start milking these sheep and, um, yeah. uh, (laughs) (laughs) I can't imagine the dedication. I mean, that's actually one of my breaking points when we had our farm in New Hampshire and I knew it was like, okay, this is not going to last forever was when I was milking the goats. And I thought, you know, (laughs) she kept stepping in the jar and, you know, you just work so hard to milk and then they'd step in it and knock it over and, you know, just move at the wrong, they know what they're doing. They know. And um, (laughs) it's like, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and buy my milk from an organic farmer. Like I don't need to do this. provide a lot of milk like I was really surprised really? I went once to a uh they're called a salash these um these sheep farms and I went to uh-huh. one that was kind of up in the hills and they were they had like 300 sheep and there was three or four guys and they milked them by hand oh my and lord each sheep provides like a cup and a half of milk Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so little. It's really little. It it does have a higher protein um, content, Uh so you get more cheese out of of, of less milk, but but still, not a lot. No, that's a lot of work. That's a labor of love, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And really, I mean, to survive, you know, I mean, they need the milk, so. Yeah. Um, No. I was looking at one of your posts. You, you had talked about, like, their pig butchering there. They have, like, kind of a, a big process to do that. Yeah, so this is called Zabiechka, and and it's a big, like, it's often, like, a big family affair, a big gathering or something. And because, you know, they don't have any machinery to lift the pig or anything, so you've got to have right. a couple strong people to, to get it up there, to hang it, and... Um, they do. They usually do one, maximum two. They just usually do one pig, mm-hmm. and and they process it all that same day. So wow, um, they make. Let's see. They start off. They you know cut it all up, right. and they have two big cauldron. Um, they have two barrels outside, and in each barrel, there's like a cauldron of water. Okay. And they heat up the water, and they use it first to like clean off the the pig and stuff. Right. And then then they um they put in one they put like the butcher puts like the organs. Uh-huh. Most I think most of the organs. And then in the other one there's like bits of meat and bone and and stuff. Not all mm-hmm. the bones, just just some of them. I'm not really sure which ones. <laughs> and then and then they make um, let's see. They make something called plachenka. It's technically it's like head cheese, but they don't use uh-huh. just the head. They use okay bits of meat, bits of organ, um, and then they use the front the broth from the meat or from the bones that it's been cooking in these cauldrons. They use uh-huh. the broth from that to gel, and it's really oh, wow. good. I mean, they have. I've never had any other head cheese, but my mom had tried to make it once and she said it was like super greasy and it wasn't very good and that this was uh-huh. much better. <laughs> That's really interesting. And they, you know, with all the organs there, I mean, how nutrient dense is that? But it's yeah. kind of like almost hidden in there that you don't really know. No, not at That's all. That's what you're eating. Yeah, yeah. There's no like bite, like, oh, that was a piece of, you know, some weird organ. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's super no. nice. And then they make something called yatarnichki, which is um, like a rice and meat sausage. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the meat is mostly organs. And okay. again, you can't, it's really good. And it's, it's everything is cooked. They, they cook the rice in, in the bone broth or the organ broth mm-hmm. and then use that to make these sausages. So everything's cooked. They use the organs that have been cooking in the water you just make these up, throw them in the freezer, and it's like when you need a fast meal, you can pull it out and have it's it ready. It's ready to go. Yeah. Wow. Um, 
That reminds me so much of like, you know, from from Cajun and Creole cooking, like boudin, you know, it's got organ meats and, and other meats and uh, and rice and Cajun seasonings. And it's one of those you can grab and serve, um, you know, cold, like with crackers or whatever, or mm-hmm. you can slice it up and put it in things. Um, it's just a real go to. And, you know, growing up in Texas. So close to Louisiana, we did grow up um, having, you know, access to Boudin and and other Cajun foods, and uh, it was delicious. Like you never knew, you know, that the those kind of healthy organ meats were in there. Yeah, yeah, this is the same thing. It's very fatty. <laughs> it's really fatty, but it's yeah. <laughs> really good with sauerkraut. Oh, nice. Um, and that's super traditional there. Yeah, sauerkraut is really normal here. People either make it, like my, my in-laws have a big, huge crock that they, they make every year, or uh-huh. you can buy it in the store. Um, I've only found one company that doesn't, one brand that doesn't have preservatives with it, but uh-huh. but even the other ones, like it's real sauerkraut. It's not vinegar-based or anything. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. And yeah, and they make like soups with it, and what else do they do with it? I think they mostly use it for soups, actually. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's there's, interesting. There's a couple different kinds of, of stews and soups you can make with it, and they're really good. So It's so nice to be in a place that, you know, those traditional foods really are traditional foods. It's not like this is the food of the moment. You know, we're doing this for health reasons. It's like this is how we've always done it. This is, you know, and it's just like naturally good for you. I mean, that's yeah. why – that's why we're re- we're emulating and recreating that here in the states and in Canada because, you know, we're we've missed that from our culture. Yeah, it is a little bit dying out. Like the zabiach is not it's not done as, you know, when my husband was a child, everybody had a pig and everybody did zabiach, but now it's it's not um, it's not as common as it was. Are not as many people raising livestock as they yeah. were before? I mean, it's just yeah. nobody has time, right? Like, everyone's working, and it takes time to do these things, and it ties right. you down, and it's easier just yeah, to go to the does. store and <laughs> buy meat. <laughs> Are there a lot of farms there where, you know, like here we can go support, like, family farms, even if we're not, you know, farming? Is that something that you can do there as well? Yeah, it's not... Um, it's not as well organized in the sense of like websites or directories uh-huh. or things like that. So you have to either know somebody or, or yeah, it's usually by word of mouth or something. Um, we've managed to find a source of a good source of beef and a source of chicken, which I'm really happy okay. about, but it's really hard. Like people don't have like, or maybe it's also for me because I it's really hard for me to look online for things in Slovak. You know, I can speak okay. Slovak, but reading and like finding those right keywords and stuff is mm-hmm. really difficult for me still. So maybe it's just harder for me to find it. But um, well, and it kind of makes sense that in like the smaller you know villages and things that it would be sort of word of mouth, like oh well, I have this, and you know, just so and so want it or whatever, as opposed to like you said, more organized with. You know, I mean, here we have to kind of almost work so hard to find it that, or we did um, before those things were set up that, you know, it was like, who knows where to go? Yeah. If you're in New York City, who knows where to go to get something from a family farm? Yeah. And there's actually a lot of um, organic farms here, but most of them sell out out of the country. They sell to Austria, Italy, or to other places. Because people here don't have, um, they just don't have the income to spend a lot on things like organic foods. Like you can't, even in stores, like now there's some organic foods, which has changed in the last 10 years. Like when, when I came 10 years ago in a regular grocery store, you would never, like, you didn't see anything organic at all. Really? And now it's, no, 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 no. Um, and now in the, in, like in the big kind of, um, what are they called? Like, not department stores, big grocery stores, not just your uh-huh. little town grocery store, but like a big one in the city. You can, they'll have it. They have or some organic stuff now, but it's almost always just shelf stable stuff, hardly ever vegetables. And um, There are occasionally in a health food store in the city, maybe like in Bratislava, but, 
or if there is maybe a particular area who's that's into it, mostly Bratislava, I guess, because oh, people wow. have the most money there. There's a big okay. Bratislava definitely has a higher income than than the rest of Slovakia. Yeah, and so people can afford to to buy those foods and live that way. Yeah. Wow, that's really surprising. You know, I I don't think that I would have thought that that would have been the culture there. I would have felt like it would have been more normal and more accessible. Yeah, people just, um, it's starting, like it's mm-hmm. it's starting, but it's kind of almost more like a young people's thing. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And do you find that the farms, like, or you may or may not know, but do you find that the farms that are there that are not organic, are they using chemicals? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh really? Huh. I don't wow, know. I don't know to surprising. what extent. Like I don't know. There's right. not like. I mean, for example, there's a there's a a dairy farm not far from here, mm-hmm. and you know the cows are mostly inside. You occasionally see them outside, but in a okay. very small area. But so it's not like ideal conditions, but it's not mm-hmm. like a stinking mass of a of a right CFO or something like it's. Mm-hmm. It's it's not on that scale. Wow. And um, what about GMOs? Uh, Europe is pretty strict about that. There's, there's. I know that they're testing some areas. They've got mm-hmm. some testing plots, but it's. I. It's not as widespread as it is here. No. No. Yeah. It's, there might be like imported stuff that's GM, uh-huh. but but not stuff that's grown here. Where we know like pretty much any, you know, like beet sugar is going to be primarily GMO or any kind of like yellow corn for animal feed is going to be GMO. Yeah. Like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. I, I've heard that like there was a, I don't know, in Hungary or something, you know, there were fields that were burnt because they were GMO mm-hmm. and they weren't supposed to be and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But officially... There's maybe a couple exceptions, but in general, it shouldn't be that much GMO stuff. Yeah, you know, when we were driving, uh, I think we were driving through Illinois, uh, Indiana. Uh, it was amazing, field after field after field after field, you know, and they have the little placards up that say, like, what company, what strain it is, because, you know, it's not just experimental, but it's like kind of advertising. It was actually a little mm-hmm. nauseating to go and see all that. I mean, it was like really horrified actually. I'm like, what, what are these people doing? Why don't they know? You know, there were billboards from Monsanto like all over the place. And it was just like such a crazy thing to see. Like, you know, we've been talking about it the whole time and like, we know like it's a big deal and that it's really happening. Like sometimes it's easy to go, Oh, that's not really happening. That's not really in this food. But when you drive through those areas, it is, like, mm. shocking. Mm. You know, it's really in your face. Yeah. Um, and as we started, like, as we've seen it, and as we've been on this real food road trip, um, we're traveling the country for two years um, in a big motorhome. And so as we're driving around, oh, yeah, we see, you know, now that you know what to look for at different fields, I'm like, oh, I wonder about that. And it's like, here's a big field of soybeans. And, yep, there's the placard. And, mm-hmm. you know, it really is extremely wild, widespread. Mm-hmm. So um, I do remember hearing that about Hungary, about them burning that field because they didn't want the GMOs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really something. Um, well, it sounds like, you know, no matter whether it's organic or not, it sounds like food is a huge deal there and certainly for celebrations. Yeah. It sounds like you've got more than, <laughs> more than feasts. Um, well, food is really, I mean, the, the it's a very family-centered culture still. Families often live mm-hmm. close together and nice. and get together for events. So my husband fa- my husband's family often gets together. And every celebratory meal, there's not too much um like oh should we have ham or lamb or like there's not too much debate on what the meal what the meal's going to be. It's pretty set. Um Oh really? Yeah. Uh, for certain occasions or for every kind of meal? Almost. Like, would you have the same kind of stuff, like, at Christmas as you would at Easter? I mean, obviously different stuff is seasonal, but... Uh, 
a yes and no. <laughs> so, okay. So I'll explain. So okay. the, the 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 celebratory celebratory meal always mm-hmm. begins with a bone broth soup. It's a kind of a clear clear bone broth soup with some little like eggs and egg noodles in it. Um, oh, cool! Is that like the Sunday soup that I saw? Yeah, on your that's the site? Sunday. Oh, soup. neat. Yeah. Um, and my mother in law makes it. I don't make it when it's like 38. Oh, that's Celsius. When it's really, really hot in the summer, <laughs> I don't make it. Um, but she does no matter how hot it is. And you take like one spoon and you just like sweat even more. Oh my gosh. Um, and then, then is schnitzels. Um, so like breaded, it's sometimes we usually use pork, sometimes chicken. You hammer mm-hmm. it down thin and bread it and deep fry it. Mm-hmm. And a potato salad, and it's a little bit different than ours. It's got like the dressing for the potatoes um, is like a mix of like mayonnaise and tartar sauce and cream and oh, pickle juice, and like it's really really good. I bet it is. I'll have to get it on the blog soon. <laughs> Yeah, do because I want to make that. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's really good. Um, and then, so and like for Christmas and and Easter, so like the Sunday or Christmas Day or the Sunday would be this meal. But the Eve, they often celebrate things on the Eve. So like, okay, Christmas Eve is kind of when they open presents and are all together. But um, it's historically a Catholic country, and they they don't eat meat on Christmas Eve. So their main dishes is fish. Oh, okay. Which traditionally, oh, traditionally was carp, um, which I don't really understand because I'm like, nobody likes carp. And this is like <laughs> the best meal of the year. Right, <laughs> right. Like they're waiting to open the gifts. And so, Everybody's uh, there. This is like their memories forever. <laughs> yeah. carp. <laughs> In the old days, some people still do. You can, you can, um, in parking lots, they'll have like a big, um, kind of tank or whatever with carp in them, and you buy uh-huh. them fresh, buy them alive. And oh, then wow. they used to have like an extra bathtub. Like my mother in law has a bathtub in her basement or whatever, and they would put the fish in there for a couple of days to kind of clean out, and then they would, um, they would kill it themselves. Um, I, I have never done that. Yeah. I, I don't make carp. I'm not a not a huge, huge fan, but um yeah. And then lots of lots of cakes and cookies with and not really cookies, not dry cookies, but uh-huh. a lot of kind of layered squares. It's kind of like Like a bar cookie kind of thing. Yeah, kind of yeah. Like a Do they use a lot of honey? Um no, well, no, not really. Okay, I remember <laughs> seeing like one of your nuts and honey uh, posts. Actually, you know this historically, yes, this is a a big beekeeping area. Um, our town makes like the best honey mead in the world, or something. Oh wow! But it's really good, very sweet. But um, mostly now, when people cook, they're just they're worried about money, and okay, so. So yeah, they, they, there are like nuts and honey or mead or um, there's a, a, a cake called a honey cake or or even actually um, uh, something like a gingerbread cookie. Oh, interesting. But but with honey. Uh huh. Um, I bet that's good. It's really and so that good. may have been more of a traditional thing for them to use honey, but now because of budget, yeah, they're not as much not as much yeah yeah wow that's really something oh it sounds like there's always i'm not a huge huge fan to be honest i'm not a huge huge fan of slovak treats i i don't know why i'm i just (laughs) i think part of it it they almost never use salt in them and like when they see me put salt in a rest in like a sweet cake or something i'm like what do you Uh i'm like no no no, it's really good it's not salty I don't know if that's yeah. It totally brings out the sweetness. Yeah, it just gives it like a little more flavor. 
Well, and typically we'll have like, you know, vanilla extract and things like that in, in baked goods to kind of round it out. Is that something that they do or is that not traditional? Uh, yeah, they have like vanilla sugar. Oh, yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, yeah. What's so interesting, it must have been really quite a change for you, like getting used to that when you moved over there. Um, yeah, I don't actually at home, I don't cook a lot, a lot of Slovak foods. Like I do some, but uh-huh. like schnitzel, I never make schnitzel. A, it's just way too much work. And B, <laughs> my husband is actually a cook. Like not, he doesn't work as a cook now, but he was trained as a cook and he makes them way oh, better cool. than I do. So <laughs> I don't even try. That's nice. <laughs> and he All makes right, honey, you family. do that. <laughs> yeah. When his family gets together, he always makes the, the special dishes. Um, so The kind of family dishes. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. he has a really big family. so it's... But in your kitchen, it's more just like what you're used to eating. A, a wider range of food. Yeah, it's it's pretty broad. Like, I might cook something Slovak one day, like a sauerkraut. And, you know what? My kids are pretty, like... One day I was laughing because I made a sauerkraut stew with heart meat, and my kids did not even blink. <laughs> They're just like, yeah, this is just, this is just supper. <laughs> like, That's a normal awesome. day in the Hushevich household. <laughs> right? That's awesome. I know a lot of parents listening wish that they could get more organ meats into their kids, and really, let's be honest, into themselves, because, you know, we didn't grow up like that. You didn't, you know, grow up like that. It's like, hmm, this has got to be... You know, we got to figure out how to do this in a tasty way. So the sausages and and soups and stews and things like that, that's really great places to put them because you've got a lot of other flavors happening. Yeah. And another thing they make a lot here is um, not quite as fancy as pâtés, but pâtés. So meat pâtés or liver pâtés, Uh that's also a very normal thing here. And I actually have a a liver liver pâté recipe on the blog that I make it with beef liver and... I have a couple of secret ingredients that you almost can't tell that it's oak. I would say you can't tell it's beef liver, but someone's going to say they can tell. So you almost can't yeah. tell that it's beef liver because beef liver is really strong. It's not like yeah, it juice is. or something. Right. It's quite strong. And a couple of secrets, it's, um, it's almost not, not detectable. And it's really good. And you just like spread it on some bread or a roll or like a, tortilla or something Uh um, or use it as even like a vegetable dip we've used it like when it's still soft idea yeah yeah especially for people that are grain free yeah that's a really great idea to do it with the veggies yeah and my kids are kind of like okay yeah right easy (laughs) (laughs) well it's funny because i was looking through all your recipes and i saw you know your 25 plus ways to use sauerkraut post and i was like now that's amazing (laughs) because I don't come up with that many ways um, to use sauerkraut. So I'm sure that your time there has really informed that since, you know, they do a lot of things. Yeah, I had never heard of sauerkraut in soup. When I first heard of it, I was like, are you sure about this? But yeah, you put it in at the end to keep it active, or is it cooked in there? No, it's cooked. But I have read some studies that that showed, I mean, it was for a like three or four specific probiotics, but that even uh-huh. they, when they were dead, they still had um, like a beneficial effect on, yes. on your body. So yeah, I'm, I've I'm hoping that, heard that too. Yeah, so I guess that, that, I guess it's still good. <laughs> and right. it actually cooked. I find cooked sauerkraut is a lot. Um, it's if you're not used to sauerkraut, it's a, uh-huh. it's a lot easier to eat because it's not quite so sour. Yeah, um, it kind of mellows. So either yeah, it tastes a, soup, a little bit more like cabbage that way. Yeah, either yeah. a soup or um, they make something here called strapachki, and it's uh, they make these like potato, potatoes. Yeah, they make like potato dumplings, and then put bacon and sauerkraut and bake it. And I'm way too lazy to make the potato dumplings, so I just make the potato, cut potatoes, and oh hey, that's a good idea. And it's really good, and it's really easy and fast, like. I mean, we we would eat it as a meal, uh-huh. not not even just as a side, but like as a as a light supper or something. Nice, yeah, that sounds like a really nice combination. 
And you said that there's like kind of um, a lot of folk folklore going on there. Yeah, it's um, there's a very a very rich tradition of song and dance and um, lots of violins and accordions and oh wow and um, and and you know there's these songs that everybody knows like. Everybody just knows them, and, right? And it's, it's been handed unique. down forever. <laughs> yeah, because then and then when you have some sort of celebration, and it usually takes a little alcohol to get going, but um, then everybody starts singing, and everybody knows these songs, and it it's just wow. really fun, and I really enjoy it, and I'm quite learned the words to all them. I know the kids ones, some of the kids ones, but <laughs> the easier ones. <laughs> yeah, that's um, really neat. That binds yeah. the community together. It does. It does. And it's like this common, yeah, something in common. that They can, you know, even if people don't know each other, they can still join in singing together. Mm-hmm. It's usually especially the guys. Like, they'll be kind of these, like, big guys, you know. Yeah. <laughs> pulling back the shots or something at a wedding. And and, and then it's time to break out into song. Yeah. <laughs> someone, <laughs> someone gets out the accordion and away they go. And then that's always how the party starts, right? The accordion yeah. comes out, and <laughs> well, well, because they party like when they when you have a wedding, like at our wedding, we had our wedding here, and it goes until five o'clock in the morning. Like, oh my god, yeah, you don't. I <laughs> went to a wedding and they Canada. party harder than we do, right? <laughs> <laughs> it ended at like midnight or one. I was like, why is the party stopping? <laughs> We're just getting going. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's that's amazing. Yeah, and. And lots of food. Like we had at our wedding, I think we had like four meals, you know, because you go that long. Four meals? Yeah, so you have like a pre-ceremony <laughs> meal for everyone. I mean, it was simple. I think we just had like cold cuts or something. And uh-huh. then after the ceremony, you have like your big meal and then there's cakes and che- you know, sheep cheeses. And they have these kind of biscuits made with um, cracklings. Oh, neat. And lard cracklings, yeah. And uh, And then you dance. And you have to dance it all off, and then you eat again <laughs> to get hungry again. Yeah, and I hadn't communicated this to my family. I hadn't even thought of it. So my dad was like really hungry after the ceremony, and he came and just like stuffed himself. And then he was like, another meal came, and he was like, I ate enough for the whole night. Yeah, like I thought I was done. Yeah, <laughs> nope. More. Oh, food. that's funny. And then you dance more, and then another meal. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. That's so cool. <laughs> and in I know it was eastern part of Slovakia. Um, the old women still wear, they'll still wear their like traditional um, dress to to something special. Like they'll often these ladies will go to daily mass and they'll um, they'll wear their traditional dress to that. Or if they go to the city or or um, and it's just I really like to see it. It's really. It's only the older women, and it will die out soon, but mm-hmm. it's nice to still see. It's very special. Yeah. And is this the the dress that would have the embroidery? I know you talked about, like, there's different styles, even in different towns, that it's, like, specific yeah. embroidery. Yeah. Oh, even someone once asked me, like, oh, is this from the next town that's five kilometers or, you know, two miles down the road? I was like, yeah. oh, I didn't realize there's a difference. Yeah, really? there's yeah, they have like their own embroidery style or um I there's just such a huge variety. Like the the town where my husband comes from, they've got tons of gold um embroidery, especially like on the sleeves. Uh-huh. Um as you go to the center, there's lots of beautiful often red or blue embroidery kind of on the front of the like the men's shirts have almost kind of like a it's not a bib, but like on the front, there'll be like a really big rectangle of embroidery. Oh wow! Um, where I was in the east, there was uh, it's pleated. Uh huh. So the the aprons are all pleated, and there's not as much embroidery. There's not as much gold. It was kind of more of a poor area, but but you know they had then they have they have like a different color for different you know different seasons and different events and and yeah. Wow. It's That's very amazing. Involved. And there's like three or four layers. Like the skirt, there's um 
like an underskirt and then like a floofy skirt and then but the floof there's like a floofy front part and a floof colorful uh-huh. back part and then like another apron that goes over the it's it's like oh my god very involved <laughs> That's amazing. And what's really amazing, what I really love is when it's still handmade. Some of the older yeah. ones are still handmade and like the work that went into. Oh my gosh. Mind blowing, right? Yeah. It's just works of works of love. Like the lace. I've seen people making lace and they've got like, I don't know, 50, I don't know how many, 50 different like spools that they're putting around these little needles and. Oh my gosh. And. Or making the, like, pulled thread. Um, not just pulled thread, but they make, like, you know, you make a hole in the fabric and then you have to, like, sew by hand all the way around it. And Ugh. it's just... And that's just one hole. Yeah, and that's just one hole. <laughs> and then you have to make, right, like, of lace. <laughs> yeah. Then you have to make, like, the whole sleeve end or, yeah. A lot I think of it I saw is on one of your recipes. There was like a um, a tablecloth or something that had that hand lace. Yeah, yeah. I've, I just, have a couple special ones that I don't bring out until the kids are older. Exactly right. You're like this is very precious. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. And like you said, just marveling at the work that went into that um, is just incredible. And what a blessing to be in a place where you do get to experience that culture. And like you said, you know, it, it probably will die out before long and then people won't get to experience that. But pretty special, you know, to get to, to see that now. Yeah. There's some people, there's kind of, I don't know what the percentage is, but there's some people who like, they don't absolutely, they don't care at all. And they'll like throw these gorgeous traditional dress like in the garbage or something. And then Mm. there's other people who are really trying to preserve it. And they'll see like a little piece of sleeve sticking out from a garbage bag and go and rescue it. Go and get it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So there, there are people. I can see that if you grow up with it and it's like the old ways. I mean, we've had that here with, I mean, something as simple as like Pyrex and stuff, you know, like all the old Pyrex that goes and the vintage cloths. And I mean, I think every culture has that, like the younger generation comes in and is like, oh, you know, that's old fashioned. We don't want it, you know, and maybe don't realize all the work that went into it or or that kind of specialness because it to them, it's it's not. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) just the way it was and it was grandma's and whatever and you want it out of there and you want the new and the modern and yeah yeah and then the wow. next generation comes along and they're like what were you thinking what happened to it yeah <laughs> i think that's a that's a human condition all over the place right yeah. we can all totally relate to that yeah <laughs> well i was reading through your easter post and uh just laughing at some of the the old kind of customs um, that were there, the whipping and the watering of the women. Like, for those uh, yeah, of us that aren't quite, reading the post, tell us a little bit about that. I haven't quite resigned myself to that one yet. No, I can see why, yeah. So Easter Monday, Easter Monday, um, the women are, are, well, Easter Saturday, the guys will go out and get um, willow, branches and it's uh-huh. spring so it's usually around the time especially if it's an early spring like they're soft but they're not like leafy yet uh-huh. and then they plate these whips and they're they're pretty cool and some 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 people make some really intricate ones some really beautiful ones different kinds of plates and stuff but mm-hmm. uh there's usually like a knot on the end that is really <laughs> hard and then, oh no <laughs> so then Monday morning, uh, this is supposedly supposed to only go until noon, but uh-huh. um, all the women get, there's kind of a po- uh, like a rhyme that the boys say as they whip all the women. I, I mean, they don't do it hard. In good fun, in good fun, yeah. in good fun. And, yeah. and pour water. And some areas, some areas are more on water, some are more on, on whipping, the whipping, the whipping is actually better than the water because then the water you get like wet and then you're cold and it's like spring. <laughs> and you have to deal with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that. Fortunately, my husband's family does less water and more whipping, but yeah, <laughs> I, I know I'm a friend of mine was like, oh, I take like three or four changes of clothes when we go for Easter. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> you just have to. You never know when it. you're going to get doused with water. Yeah. And yeah, that is so funny. And I know, you know, of course, we're all obviously listeners, all in good fun, you know, <laughs> long standing tradition. But you have to wonder, like, how do these things get started? Like, how, you know, where does that even come from? Yeah, I've been told a number of different a number of different theories, but I think probably the most plausible theory is that it's like an old pagan ritual that, you know, the spring came in and this was like a fertility thing or something like mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> eating, beating this, I don't know, <laughs> the winter out of you or something. Yeah. Right. And, uh, Dusting you off for spring. Yeah. <laughs> How funny. I think someone said that on Tuesday it was supposed to switch, but of course with school now girl, now all the kids are in school on Tuesday. Mm. Oh, and, and the, the, <laughs> the topping is that, then the girl gets whipped, and then she has to give something to the boy. So oh, this really? used to be, you know, the girl had, like, one painted egg, and she gave it to the boy that she liked. So this uh-huh. was, like, you know, if you got it, that was, you had one to give away. But it's, I would say, devolved <laughs> into mm-hmm. into having to give everybody it. So the boys go out into the village and come back with these, like, bags of and now they give money so they come back with like oh. bags of money and chocolate and candy and the girls just like sit at home and get whipped and I'm like this is so not fair you're like wait a minute we gotta flip that <laughs> but my kids my girls I mean last year they were six and eight and they just thought it was a lot of fun they're with their cousins and they're running around and you know they're busy delving or you know giving the candy out to everyone and mm-hmm. so they haven't like they haven't stopped and said like hey wait a minute wait a minute so I'll let them have their fun and when they start going like what then then I have one sister-in-law who would make like a special basket for her girls and mm-hmm. I'll do that when they start when they start complaining <laughs> Yeah, because it's, you know, akin to, like, the Easter baskets here and all the all the funny traditions, um, you know, where it is all in good fun and it's all for the kids. And, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's really interesting, though. I read that and I was like, now, wait a minute, what is this? Because, <laughs> of course, to all of us, we're like, that sounds a little different and a little one-sided. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's, uh, against our feminist... Uh... Feminist upbringing, right. but but um, yeah, it's just something they do. And I know girls who said they they hated Easter, but I think more there was a lot of drinking too. Yeah, so yeah. that never made things fun. No, no, and uh, they've got some really pretty, um, you know, um, customs like with the lights, the candles at the cemetery. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. I think actually that's one of my favorite nights all year. It's just such a special atmosphere. So everybody, it, it's a Catholic, it's a Catholic tradition, but the whole uh-huh. culture has, has taken it on. And okay. And that's all saints and all souls day. All saints and all souls night. They so go it's coming to, up. Yeah. It's coming up soon. Um, everyone goes to a cemetery usually to often to where, where you're from, where your ancestors would, would be buried mm-hmm. and, and light candles and the whole, like, the whole graveyard is just glowing. awash, like glowing with candles, wow. different kinds of candles. And, and, um, and as if you travel as well, you know, it's dark and there's, as you pass the towns, you can see like the, the where the graveyard is just kind of glowing there. And wow. they also bring a lot of chrysanthemums, flowers, especially chrysanthemums or wreaths. And so in the daytime, it's really colorful. There's, all these flowers everywhere and 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 people the month of November is kind of the month of the dead and and so it kind of it goes on but but especially mm-hmm. two nights it's really and there's lots of usually lots of people go there and but everyone's kind of whispering and mm. and yeah it's a really special and I like how it's a way to kind of especially for my kids, like a way to introduce death to my kids without it being uh-huh. a terrible, scary thing. A big it's, scary. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's more like this is just, we have people who have died and, and that's where they are. And, and we come and pray for them. And, and it's not like, 
this unmentionable. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. That's a really good point. Yeah, the pictures of that are just stunning, and I I do urge everybody to just take a peek at that because, you know, actually with the candles, it sort of reminds me of, um, I think it's like the Tibetan, um, you know, or maybe it's not, but where they light those big lanterns. Yeah. Uh, the air lanterns that you send off and... Um, and that it's actually like, it's kind of the same thing, kind of like an honoring and a prayer. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. It looks just like so magical. It is. It is. It's, it's one of my favorites. Definitely. That's so neat. I mean, there's just so much going there. It's, it's how amazing to, you know, grow up in one culture and then be immersed in another and really, you know, truly immersed, not just visiting, but, you know, living there, um, living in different areas, raising your children there. I think that that's, you know, that's really fascinating. Yeah, it's, it, it, it stretches you as a person to understand Mm -hmm. um, other people's viewpoints. And Mm -hmm. it also, although it can be sometimes frustrating. (laughs) I'm sure, I'm sure there's been challenges. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, I think that's the thing about travel is, is that you just meet people from such a diverse background, even, even mm-hmm. within the same, even within the same country, you know, I mean, America mm-hmm. is huge and, right. and there's just such a diverse way of thinking in, in different areas and, and, uh, yeah, when you travel, you kind of see that there's good people from from all walks of life. From all over, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, a lot of these, you know, like that All Souls Day, you know, th- there's new traditions that you can integrate into your own personal experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something beautiful because, you know, I mean, it's all about taking what works for you and leaving aside what doesn't. Yeah. Whether that's diet, whether that's, you know... Yeah, Anything. actually, with the with the um, with the All Saints since the All Souls nights, when my parents were here when one time one year, and they went back and my they my mom and dad loved it so much that they they started kind of doing their own little lighting candles mm. <laughs> when they when they went back home to Canada. That's amazing. Yeah, take a little something home with you and, like I said, integrate it into your personal routine. Yeah. And and whether that's food, whether that's, you know, lighting candles, whatever, um, you know, different holidays to celebrate, whatever, it, it's a beautiful thing. And it actually just kind of weaves um, a more rich tapestry of your life. I mean, mm-hmm. really, it just it, it enriches it so much. Mm-hmm. And that's great for the kids, you know. And, and it sounds like that's always kind of been your experience, you know, having um, parents from different cultures to be able to integrate that from a young age as well. Yeah. um, Yeah, I remember, I remember once we had two Japanese um, exchange students at our high school who to Uh me looked completely different. Like they didn't look anything alike. But one Uh of my good friends was like, can you tell the difference between them? (laughs) And I was like, what <laughs> like and 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 that just to you it was so obvious uh, yeah and yeah and I think it just the more you experience those kind of things the more your eyes are kind of opened to yes the great things that are out there <laughs> yes exactly exactly and that's why people have to get out and and live life and, and, you know, get out there and have adventures and challenge yourself and try new things, you know, say yes. Although Definitely. I have to say, like, I mean, I am for travel, but I'm, mm-hmm. I also think you can have a good experience. Even if you have the right mindset and the right um, place, you can, even if you don't physically move that much, mm-hmm. you can still have that same open mindset. And especially with, you know, North America with, so much immigration and people moving around Mm. um you can still you know when I still lived in the same small village um 
in my teenage years, there was a lot of people from other countries moving in, and we would go, you know, my mom would invite over the Korean lady to show us how to make kimchi, uh, or, oh, cool. you know, we went to some people from India and learned how to make, like, chai tea, and, you know, mm-hmm. so I, I don't want to say you have to travel, I mean, traveling is, right. is great, but, um, you know, you can bring that mindset no matter where you are. Where you are, that's it, it's all about the mindset, that's an excellent yeah. point. Yeah, just being open to new experiences. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today and for sharing this with us. I mean, it's really uh, been fascinating. And I'm just like, I'm like really interested in delving into your website. And um, Slovakia is now on my list of places that I have to check out. Thank you. (laughs) Definitely. I kind of started writing about food and and just threw in stuff about Slovakia for friends and family and then I was like wait a minute no one's well I know one or two other places that write about Slovakia in English but not very many so I thought I'd share with the world (laughs) exactly yeah no I think that's great and you know again it's like it makes your writing and your voice so different from everybody else which of course it is um because you're sharing your own experience and, and it really helps open our eyes and like you said lets us discover things even as we're in the same place. So that's wonderful. Well, again, the website is almostbananas.net. Naomi, again, thanks so much for being here. Um, I will put links in our show notes. So um, those of you listening to the podcast, just go to realfoodwholehealth.com and go under podcasts and find this episode and you'll see the show notes with links to um, everything that we've talked about. So Naomi, thanks again for being here and um, take care. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun. (laughs) All right. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us today. And please remember to leave us an iTunes review. Also head over to our website at realfoodwholehealth.com and enter your email to receive free goodies, discounts, updates, and more. See you next time on the Real Food Whole Health Podcast.